This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Blackhawk Up Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Please welcome your hosts, Jimmy Lynch, Patrick McGann, and Jeremiah Lee. Welcome back to the Blackhawk Up Podcast. I am Jimmy Lynch alongside Jeremiah Lee. Jeremiah, it's great to be with you. Great to be back. It's been a while. It has been a while. Happy holidays to you. Yeah, you too. And to all our viewers out there, whoever's listening, happy holidays to you too. Happy holidays. Now, it, it's been a while. We've had a little bit of a pause here for the NHL because um, before Chris, the Christmas holiday break, right? there was a little bit of a COVID outbreak outbreak amongst the league so mm-hmm. uh now games will not happen until tuesday which is when you'll be seeing this so i it's 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 weird the blackhawks haven't played in a while it's it's been a longer stretch without games i, I don't know about you but it's been weird not being able to watch hockey i was looking forward to watching those christmas games watching more hockey and get an idea of what the blackhawks will have to be dealing with or how they even look because it looked pretty dang good for a little while but I feel like with this break, they're going to be a lot, they're going to be rusty and they're going to have even harder times finishing than they already have. So with yeah. the break, it's like, I don't like it. I think it's good for them to get rest, but I think it's also not a good thing because you need those guys to stay on the ice, staying, you know, like getting their play back. And they already started to heat up a bit, like against Toronto, even though they went down really, like they were down by like what, three, four goals. They played their best game in coming back. And I feel like they, like they showed more glimpses of that that until they hit the roadblock but I feel like with games like that you need to get back there onto the ice so you can so your tendency to second guess won't be that high right and because they have two games postponed or even canceled because I mean they're going to be canceling games for a long time now because this is what happened like this is probably gonna go on for a lot longer than just Tuesday you know what I mean so it's like I feel like with these two games postponed and probably even more later on I feel like this is going to hurt the Blackhawks even more because of their need for consistency and need for play to stay consistent and build upon their past games. So I feel like the the, the break is going to not do many good things for the Blackhawks, but going to do good things for the teams who are injured. Right. I think especially because the Blackhawks were kind of heating up a little bit, they yeah. still were losing some games, but they were right. obviously a little bit of a closer games. Right. That like doesn't the bounce, feel if the bounces great. went their way, they would probably win like – yeah many of those games that they lost by like a goal or in overtime. Um, however, but you can say that about every, about every team at the same time, it is nice to be kind of ending it on like a high note where the, the team was doing pretty well. So at least they can go into this little break, you know, feeling a little bit more confident and hopefully they can continue that momentum moving forward. I think it's really interesting though, because you know, like when, when uh, Jeremy Carlton was behind the bench, the team was awful. One nine or two. Could not get anything done. Now under Derek King for little with a little bit more t- time, they're like 10, six and two. That's very, so, yeah. that's an improvement. Right. So now, you know, Derek King gets a little bit of a break right around the holidays. I think he can take a little bit of time to reflect back. Think about it. Watch and film. I, I feel like this team's that in that regard with the coaching staff and the system, that break really is a good thing before a very, like a grind of the next couple of months. They had a little bit of time to catch their breath. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point because I feel like the coaching staff needs to sit down and 
watch film on their uh, their breakout plays, their power play, and their penalty kill, and their defensive zone plays, right? Because on the penalty kill, Seth Jones tried to block a shot, but it tipped into his own net. You know what I mean? Right. And it's like, I feel like they need to re- like review their systems on the special teams because they've been atrocious. So, yeah, I feel like with this break, like, they'll spend more time. Like, I don't think, like, I feel like spending Christmas with family is okay. But, like, when you're a coach of a team that's struggling, I feel like even though, like, your family's important, I still feel like you need to spend, like, with this break, like, spend some time either on your own or with your fellow coaches in the office looking at film. Because you and I both know that they need a lot of work. I feel like they need to be more focused in the penalty kill, have that tight diamond formation more than their press the guy at the at the blue line and then in the in their power play they need to do more uh they need to be more mobile they need to move around more and like they need dominic kubalik on the on the right face off circle that's what i think well the good news is you know they had a little bit of time hopefully to do that they returned to practice on monday pretty much the entire team was there minus mark andre fleury who was put in covid protocol. protocol Um, it is amazing though, that this team, I mean, knock on wood, but you're seeing a lot of teams with big outbreaks, but the Blackhawks again, knock on wood, but they seem to be kind of avoiding that right now. So that's, you know, testimony to them. Great, great. Good thing to see. Um, we'll see how long that continues and where it goes from here. Hopefully this break helps all the teams around the league, get their COVID numbers in check. And, um, I really think the bringing back the taxi squad is going to help. It, it shouldn't so, yeah. be used in like, um, you know, like a money laundering ways with the salary cap, but we'll see what happens. Well, there'll be definitely right. be some interesting tales there, but right. you know, you got to look back. It's been a long 2021 year for hockey and the NHL and the Blackhawks and teams in general, yeah. you know, in this past year, we had the entire 2020, 2021 season started in January and now it goes all the way till now. So we've had a season and a, a quarter, a season and a half of hockey during this time. When you look back on this past year, what was like the biggest moment on the ice? I mean, I know there's, I think the biggest thing we all would say is the Kyle Beach situation and all the, the stuff there. And right, but you on know, the I, ice, right? On the ice, we're gonna try and talk about yeah. um, the team and that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, but let's let's uh let's try not to talk about off ice stuff because <laughs> I think we're all trying to recover from that. But I think for me. The thing that stood out the most is that Alex Demerkat scored 49 goals in the course of the entire of 2020-2021. That was big, yeah. Yeah, because he outscored Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, he was uh, in, fourth in the stretch. Five, or th- yeah, three. he uh, he was behind. All I know is that he was behind Austin Matthews and then two other guys I forgot. But and then I feel like Kevin Lankinen's uh, shutout against the Florida Panthers, I believe, or the Tampa Bay Lightning, in uh in their in their uh, home game, I forgot when it was, but he's got like a 45 save shutout or something. I feel like I feel like those two for me are like those two moments for me are tied for the most uh, standout or the most or the most standout events for me. Personally. Well, he was behind Debrinket was behind Matthews, Drysidle, and McDavid. So, I mean, who can go. complain being behind those three? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can't you can't complain being behind McDavid for anything. Especially when you're in the top five. <laughs> in my mind, it has to be going back to the NHL draft in July, adding Seth Jones to this team. Mm. Um, just the, the, the feeling at the time of excitement about where the team was at and where we thought they were going to go this year contending. Right. That was really cool to see. 
Yeah. And you added your elite number one defenseman for years to come. That's true. That is true. But I still feel like those improvements from those young guys were very important for this team too. Hey, you know what? I, 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 agree, I agree with the Seth Jones trade because I'm like, I, I, I will, I will, I will take full, full, uh, full blame for saying that I didn't think that Seth Jones trade would work. I take entire hey, blame. You know for what? That. I still, but don't I still, think, but yeah. He's been very consistent. I will give him that. He's been very consistent. He's been he's been adding offense. He's been adding. He's been effective in the defensive zone, even though his defensive partners have been um, controversial to say the least. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like yeah, that's true. Like adding Seth Jones was a huge move for the Blackhawks. I I understand what you're saying about those other things, like the adding the young players and all those things. Yeah. And you know what? I understand. Adding Seth Jones was great for the team, yeah. but what it cost them definitely was a high price. That's true. Two first-round draft picks in Adam Boakfast. You know, I, I think it'll be – I think in the long run, I think it'll even out, and I think Jones is worth it. But for right now, I definitely see looking at that and being like, that's too much to pay, you know? Yeah, that's true. I, I, that's what I was – that's what I thought when it first came up. I'm, I'm glad with his consistent play. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm glad that he's the guy who's dependable to play for like 27, 28 minutes a game. I'm glad that he's a guy who can add, who's a two-way defenseman who can add offense and apply defense in his own right. But at the same time, you don't have Adam Boquist, who showed potential in his three-point outing with two goals and one assist against the Pittsburgh Penguins, I believe. Cole Sillinger, who's proving to be a really, who's going to look to be like a really, really effective top six guy for the Columbus Blue Jackets for the future. And the fact that we are probably, if we, if we still continue to lose and pull the plug in this season, we're going to be losing like a top, like a top 10 draft pick. (laughs) So it's like, when you realize that we're losing like three key pieces that could potentially work towards rebuild, you know, it's kind of, you know, hindsight will be 2020 when this fully plays out and we'll look back on this and like, seven years and be like oh they shouldn't have done this or oh this is a great trade but like right now like it's just 50 50 right now we gave up so much but we could get a lot more from seth jones than we think now you know you talk about the past year and where the team's been at it's crazy just think about this it was last october of 2019 excuse me october of 2020 the blackhawks announced that they were kind of going through this quote-unquote retool of the team They start the year off not supposed to do well. And the first couple games, they were really bad playing Tampa and Florida during that season. They started to heat up a little bit. Those young players come in. Kevin Lankinen separates himself. All of a sudden, the team looks like a team that's just missing a few pieces. You know, this offseason, they get those pieces. They add Seth Jones. They add Jake McCabe, they go out and get Tyler Johnson for Brent Seabrook's contract, a contract we never thought was going to get traded. And all of a sudden, Fleury for nothing. Yeah, and Mark Andre Fleury for nothing. And all of a sudden, it looks like this team's ready. This retool, this rebuild is over. Right. And then the season starts, and it just totally changes perspectives. You know, one nine and two, horrible start. Jeremy Colleton just can't get fired, and eventually does get fired. But no matter what happens, they, it just, it was such a weird, bizarre year in that regard. Whereas, you know, it started off pretty low this past 2021 as a rebuilding team. You're right. To now where it almost seems like they're stuck and worse off. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, because I, I definitely, I definitely get that. It's it's amazing in that regard where where this past year has been. But yeah, when you I don't like, know. I feel like if the Blackhawks actually went through with the rebuild, right? Yes. And like they decided that business wise, it'd be the best move to send their guys who are under who are over the age of thirty and about to you know expire on the contract or something that they traded them for their for their return but at the same time i do feel like they look back in their season in uh 2020 when they couldn't make the playoffs but they ran into a rut too many times and they know and they knew that they were that close to making the playoffs so like you said i do feel like they added the right pieces but they did not do enough with their with what actually which what held them back the year before you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Like Jeremy Colleton is not a good head coach. I think he'd be good assistant coach, but his system had so many, like his system was all about perfection. I think we can all agree on that, right? Mm-hmm. His, his system was so focused on perfection, on perfection that the slightest mistake opened up a goal on your, against you. And I feel like they couldn't realize that beforehand. And if they realize that if they get rid of Colleton and brought in a good coach like Gerard Gallant or Bruce Boudreaux or something like that, this team would be insane right now, mm-hmm. right? Like this team have has those pieces that you need to win, that you need to actually make the postseason, which they haven't done in like two seasons. And I feel like they still have the team on paper, right? We both agree that they have that team on paper that we that should make the playoffs, right? Everybody looked at this team on paper they're like this team's gonna be scary this team's gonna like be insane they only had to give up like Adam Bocust and two first round picks for you know the hole that they brought in in the offseason and then and then the season starts and you're like what is this like these guys have deteriorated yeah exactly 100% I feel like if they changed that coach in the beginning of the season their veteran coach came in and had the entire training camp to get his guys established right get the system established, get the guys to know what's going on, get them into the lines and chemistry and all that, and all that stuff. Right. But they didn't. And I feel like that was your downfall this season. Their coaching was just not there. Well, I feel like another downfall of the year has to be the fact that Taze and Kane aren't scoring. Your two yeah, biggest true. guys on your team, the two players that like the team's pushing for to win another championship during these next couple of years, those right. guys aren't there, you know? Right. I feel like for uh, for Kane, I just feel like eventually, you know what I mean? Like he's going to get his he's going to get his chances and he's going to con- convert on those chances that he continues to get. Like we see him get those high risk, like those high chance, score, like those high scoring chances. You know what I mean? And he just can't finish. Like, every, like we've been seeing this on like the athletic Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Tribune, like e- even ESPN. And they're saying that Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane are getting their chances. They're just not finishing. What is wrong with these guys? Why can't this team finish? And I feel like that is like, like you, like you said, right now, not the beginning of the season, but right now, that's their main problem. They're getting their chances. They just can't convert on their chances. I agree a hundred percent. It's, I mean, Taze is uh, not, excuse me, not Taze. Kane's shooting percentage is at an all time low right now. Right. Uh, like 7.4% compared to like an average of 11 so right. it's just down. His his shots just aren't going in. Right. That definitely in 2022, this next part of the season, that needs to be a big 
thing that needs to change. You need Kane scoring. Right. You need Tay scoring more. Tay right. started to score a little bit before the pause, but yeah, those those guys make the big money on the team. Um, that they, they need to be scoring. Right. You know, and I also feel like I mean, I'll I'll just go ahead and say this right now. This system that Derek King is running is just not working. Like mm-hmm. when you have guys who are this high powered in offense. You're just not letting them go out and play to what they can do. You're playing with four checking lines. He's came out and said that he's came out and said that in an interview, like he's playing with four checking lines and he's going for full defense. But when you can't score and you play with defense and you're playing all conservative, you can't expect these top guys to go out and score and do their thing because they're not allowed to do their thing with the system that they're running. You know what I mean? Like their neutral zone play is incredible right now like they got so many turnovers a game like they take away the puck and they and they're gone but i feel like there's so many times that they just could have taken the puck to the net you know what i mean but like they they just bypass for the for the pass it's not like jeremy Colleton bad where like it's two on oh and they're trying to do a tic-tac-toe play with two guys and like they missed the net completely but it's like i feel like this team could do or i feel like this uh Derek king could just deploy his guys to be like all right you guys are offensively minded guys. Go out there and get shots on goal, play with speed, go back and forth and, you know, just go out there and, you know, do the thing that you were, that you were paid to do. Like Alistair McKay was paid to go out there and score goals. He's not paid to go out there on the penalty kill and, you know, and hit people. They don't even hit people anymore. There are like 16 hits right now. So I'm like, honestly, just go out there, play your game, have your lines go on the strategy that they need to go on. For example, the top six need to go on a cycle, but uh, the bottom six need to go on a, on a dump and chase. Right. So it's like, until you start understanding that you're like, you need to keep these guys together who can play and complement each other's strengths. You're not going to get anywhere. Cause well, I feel like you mentioned to bring that on the penalty kill and stuff like that. Don't you think it's a benefit that he's, he's so much more of a, two-way player now than he was right but like i'm not like okay i'm not saying that like he shouldn't be on the penalty kill like i think that curry doc breaking on the penalty kill is amazing Mm -hmm. you got young guys who are defensively minded enough not just offensively focused to have enough focus on their game to understand that the defensive side of the play is just as important if not more than the offense but i feel like with this team they're too defensively minded to where they're not going out there and actually converting on those plays because i feel like if you have a top six with guys who are just full skill speed pass to puck cycle shoot and you know set up the play and everything and then you have the you have the third line is your defensive uh shutdown line and they had your fourth line is the guys who just go out there and bash people to the boards as for seven minutes i feel like that's like the i feel like that would be their key to success for their for their forward lines but they're playing they're all playing the same way you know what I mean? Like, they're not, like, they're not crashing the net for the fourth line. They're trying to cycle. They're trying to cycle the puck. They can't cycle the puck, so they get the puck over. They go through the neutral zone, and and then the defense and Margarante Fleury has to, you know, play against a potential, like, four-on-two, three-on-two rush or two-on-one rush. You know what I mean? It's like, you guys need to play to your strengths. And I'm sorry, but the fourth line isn't good enough to cycle. They're not good enough to cycle the puck in the zone. Mm-hmm. They... Like what they're, what they should do is they should pass the puck to the point and go to the front of the net where all three of them go to the front of the net and the defense just shoots for, for, uh, for a deflection. But 
I feel like they're still trying to play too pretty for the bottom for the bottom three, or for the bottom six. How and about the, the, de- plays how about the defense? Too. Just the improvement there from last year. I'm very happy with. I, I I've been saying this forever. Get rid of Sheldon Brookbank. This <laughs> defense will be so much better. Did I lie? No. Yeah, I t- like I've been like I've been saying this forever. Sheldon Brookbank is not cut out to be you know, the coach of the Chicago Blackhawks in this, in this uh, vicinity. He, what he did was he did not do anything to help the defensemen with their spacing, mm-hmm. told them to pinch when they shouldn't have pinched, told them to get in front of the shot when they just need to let the goaltender take the shot and get in front of the passing lane. And everything that the defensemen should do, they didn't do. And I'm like, this is not like on them because I know I, I've watched these guys for a while. They're, they're really good. But what they're being told to do isn't what you need to do to succeed so i'm like their defense is so much better at the firing of sheldon brookbank i was right i will always say i'm right because of this and i've been saying this for like two years and i'm so glad it happened and i'm so glad this defense is playing like they should it's i just having a blue line with like such good pieces built around seth jones and connor murphy and guys like that right it's amazing they're they're bigger they're better Um, first Eric Gustafson actually is playing well, which so surprising. We should I saw that signing. Yeah. We were talking about this, like what, like last month. Well, yeah, we talked we like, about it. it. It was such a signing where you're just going to wait for Caleb Jones and Riley Stillman to get healthy and right. then you dump them, get them out. Right. But you know what you, you, you bring again, that same coaching changes you're talking about. They seem to have actually got them on board a little bit more. Right. Like it's, it's amazing. He, uh, there are some times where he's out of position mm-hmm. and there are some times that I feel like he could have done better with his, uh, with his assignment and his play in the zone. Um, but overall, he's definitely exceeded my expectations. I feel well, like when he got on, he'd be like that guy who plays for like go. 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if, he's if a you guy need a where seventh, you can trust him. If you need him. a seventh defenseman, exactly. you got one. That's all you he need, is, really. He is a very serviceable defenseman in the NHL. Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like he... I feel like when he was brought in, we're like, all right, he's just going to take up the spot and play like Curtis McDermott minutes, which is like seven to 10 minutes a game and like give the other time to the other five guys here on the ice. But he's been extremely surprising for me. Like, I feel like he surpassed expectations. Mm-hmm. Now, where do you imagine this team like a year from now? Like I'm trying to figure out mm. this. This has been a very action packed year for the team. And it, it looks so much different now compared to, last year I almost wonder where they'll be a year from now obviously we're not going to be talking about having won the Stanley Cup in 2021 but no way um, this offseason they have a lot of big moves to make they have a lot of players to sign a lot of changes if you have like just one hot take about someone they keep or someone something they change what do you think my hot take is that Jonathan Taze may not be here Hmm. Um, I feel like the way he's been playing, he's very. I feel like he's still like a serviceable player in the NHL, but I feel like um, with where they're with where this team is heading, I don't, like. I feel like if they can keep Jonathan Taze on a on a affordable short term deal, they should go for it. But if Jonathan Taze is asking for more than seven point five million dollars a year, they just gotta let him walk. That's my hot take. But I like every like I'm pretty sure like many. Hardcore, many hardcore longtime Blackhawks fans, you want to see Taze finish his career here other than, you know, go to 
I don't know, go to like Montreal or Toronto or something to finish his career. Well, but I, I still I feel, feel like, like business wise, it may not be smart to keep him for more than $7.5 million. Well, he signed through the end of next season. So he right. is going to be with the team at the end of right. this but coming, like, like at the end of for next year. I feel like the question will be how much do you pay him and how much is too much? Right. So I, I feel like next year is more about like, what are you going to do with your top two guys who were seen as your like cornerstone pieces? But I feel like they will be in a better spot next year overall. Like my hot take with Jonathan Taze will not be here after his contract's over for more than $7.5 million. But for next year, I feel like they'll be more set in stone, I think, to contend for the postseason, if not go for a Stanley Cup. I don't see them. I don't think if Taze isn't re-signing with the team, and I don't even think 7.5 is too much. I the number's more towards like four or five, you know, he's not, Oh my, the argument, he might not even be worth that right now. He, he, he hasn't been scoring goals or doing a lot of that to make him worth a first or second line money. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just like his superstar status right now. It's like sometimes but, you, it's, <laughs> it's just embarrassing to sign for less than that. If he isn't, um, if he isn't re-signing with the team, I could definitely think he could just, you know, he can maybe retire, you know, I, I don't really true. think he plays elsewhere. I, if, if he's done, mm-hmm. he, I, I would say he's done period. You know what I mean? I think so. Um, but I don't I, know. It's we're just, just weird. speculating, just talking, right. but it, it, I think Patrick Kane is an interesting player where there's definitely still a lot of trade value. And I feel it, it makes sense for him to want to play elsewhere and make, maybe try and go win a Stanley cup. Right. But for people were saying New York, I still believe New York makes sense, but you never know. <laughs> if, if they're going to trade him at all, I feel like New York is the place because they have the pieces to get a valuable return. My hot take about the team, though, would it be? I almost don't believe it, but I'll say this Derek King is still head coach. I mean, I wrote an article about this. Yeah. I feel like Derek King, um, Give, give him enough time and I feel like he'll be like he'll be a good uh, he'll be a good coach in the NHL I mean he may not be the the head coach per se but I feel like he'll be good to be on that team as an assistant at the very least the way Derek King and Mark Crawford's just coaching relationship right now having an NHL coach and then an associate coach right that's what yeah I feel like that's, that's, a, awesome. good, that's, a, that's a good assistant for this team right now yeah I think that works and I could see them, whoever they bring in as the president of hockey ops and who they use as a GM, why wouldn't, if you're just kind of kind of like treading water and kind of doing what they're doing right now, just keep that system in place. Right. It's not the, it's not the bears where everyone's calling for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace to be fired. We already let go of (laughs) Jeremy Carlson. It's just a matter of you're you're probably not going to be competitive. So keep this guy in place and see, where the talent pool isn't is in another year. Now, if, right. if there's like a coach out there that they think is the future and the answer to this team, bring in that guy. But around the NHL, usually you have a coach for when the team's not good. And then you have right. your coach that you're bringing in where you're going to try and compete. Right. I don't think they're entering that competing stage this off season. I think they need to keep that teaching coach. Yeah. Or their young guys. I mean, like, I mean, this is stupid to say, but playing it but for nhl 21 even like for the, <laughs> be a gm mode like 
you like just with that like it's it's the same thing as in real life right you have a coach that is their specialty is teaching like they're teaching the guys how to be an nhl player like dennis savard he came in and showed uh, patrick cannon jonathan chase and duncan keith and those in the core for the past like for, in their eight nine years of dominance how to be a, like how to be a serviceable superstar in the nhl and yeah. he did that amazingly and this and these guys came in and like blossom to become like one of the most dominant teams of like in a decade like mm-hmm. they dominated the nhl for a decade they cruised through the regular season right to the playoffs like every single year from like 2010 or so to 2000 or 2009 to the 2017 or something like that and it's like 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 you said like you need that after you get to that point where you're done with your rebuild like the blackhawks were right and you have the guys who you're like okay this is our core you can see that they're going to be that they're a good group of players that we can't build around. And then you bring in the Joel Quinville or John Cooper to send the guys out and say like, we're going for the cup. I feel like, like you said, I feel like they need that, that they need to stay with that teaching coach right now before they go out there and get that big money, like dependable veteran coach. who can take them places. It'll be really interesting to see where they're at. I think, you know, like another player to talk about with that is where's Dylan Strom a year from now. Um, but also another player that probably isn't getting the same kind of conversation with about like their future with the team, Dominic Kubalik, whether or not they re-sign him or he walks in free agency, it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty f- interesting off season. Kubalik's still going to be an so. RFA. He has RFA status. So, right. So uh, I feel like so going to qualify him. So. Hmm? I feel like the, if Strom and Kubalik are still here, wait, is Strom an RFA? They'll both be RFA status this Okay. Season. I feel like it, I feel like they will at least qualify both. You think they'll qualify? Uh yeah. Because I feel like you get enough of a you know a return or what yeah. what is it? The consolation or something? Like you get you still get a draft pick, I pre- I'm pretty sure. If they something, sign elsewhere. Yeah. It was it like a fourth round pick, third round pick, something like that? I don't know. It depends feel on like, how much they're trading, you know, like right. how how are right. you signing him before? So how much like how much they're getting back, or how much they're signing for elsewhere, and the team gives the other team the draft pick, or how much is they're uh, they're signing them for? It's not going to be a first round pick because neither of those guys are worth like over eight million dollars or anything like that. But I just I still feel that, like I just hope that like with Kirby Doc too, because he'll also be an RFA this offseason. I don't want to see another um, situation like the Carolina Montreal thing this past offseason where they, oh they use the offer sheet system to steal a player. So we'll, the, the Blackhawks have a lot of interesting players and a GM who's new to the game and Kyle Davidson. Right. But Kyle Davidson did do his, their uh, contracts for a little while. True. He did sign the Kubelik deal and the Dibrinkett deal. So mm-hmm. I still feel like he's going to be able to do something. Yeah. So and I'm pretty sure he did Brandon Hagel too, because he was the guy who, con- who did all the contracts from what I, from what I recall for his, uh, introductory uh, article or interviews. Well, that so I feel Hagel like he'll be able to work something pretty good too. That Hagel that's... contract is a bargain. And I, I, I've been saying this on Twitter. I've been saying this on, on Black Hawk up. I've been writing about this all the time. That is the best contract in the NHL. Hagel for 1.5 for three years. Yes. You have, I mean, like sure. Nathan McKinnon is, you know, <laughs> 6.4 million and all that stuff. And I mean, like for the bargain that you're getting, at least for this team. At least for this team, it is the best contract. Of, if, for this team, at the very least, it's the best contract mm-hmm. like in like a long time for the Blackhawks. You have a guy who's a top six winger 
who is the who everybody around the league says if you want to talk about work ethic and a guy to follow after it's brandon hagel mm-hmm. right right he scores goals in many different ways he can shoot it and score he can tip it and score he can wrap around and score he could fight for the puck and score he can win puck battles against like three guys at once i mean this guy's insane he's a like a swiss army knife and the fact you get him for two more years at 1.5 million dollars that's insane well, all of last offseason was about the defense and goaltending, adding Flurry and adding McCabe and re-signing Murphy and stuff like that. This coming offseason is going to be all about forwards because as awesome as Hagel yeah. is, he, him and Tyler Johnson are the longest signed players on the team. That's true. For the forward group. Yeah. And Mackenzie Enetwistle, but he's not even making a million, so he's out of the conversation. Right. It's hmm. Johnson and Hagel. That's it. So right. it's going to be a very interesting time this offseason because once free agency hits, that's the first period where they could potentially re-sign Alex Debrinkent right then and there. Right. Or Taze or Kane. Right. Uh, I don't know. I feel like they've I feel like they've come too far to turn back, personally. Yeah. I feel like after they went out and brought Seth Jones in for that big money deal, if you're going to be a rebuilder, you don't bring in a serviceable big money deal for no reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like when they brought him in, it was like the telling the fan base, like, well, when they brought in Seth Jones, Jake McKay, Marc-Andre Fleury, Tyler Johnson, they re-signed Connor Murphy. And they're like, hey, we're going for it. Like, we're going to try oh, yeah. and be competitive again. And they're not competitive right now. But I feel like next year, they're going to have to be or they have to clean house. Like they, I feel like if they're not competitive next year, they may have to actually clean house and focus on the rebuild. It's kind of hard to clean house when you have Taze and Kane both have no movement clauses. Seth Jones has a modified. Jacob right. Cape has a modified. Right. It's like and Flurry also you has can, a modified right now. If you so can, it's kind of hard I to feel clean like house with those. It's hard to contracts. clean house, right? But I feel like if they're not competitive next year, I don't know what you do because you have a lot of guys who are well. First off, your first round pick is gone right? You can't trade any more first round picks. So, and especially when you're not even that competitive right now, it's like, I don't think with all these serviceable guys in your team, I feel like it's not the best business move, in my opinion, to keep them all, right? It's like for Calvin Dehan, I feel like he's going to be traded at the deadline if they're not anywhere close to the playoffs. And I feel like it's going to be the same thing next year. If they're nowhere close to the playoffs, the guys who they can move for a nice return, they're going to move. Because I feel like with Sam Bowman, he was too stubborn to go to a rebuild and focus on the rebuild because he was so used to playing in the playoffs and watching his team dominate that he couldn't stand watching them be that bad and have to tank. But I feel like with Kyle Davidson, I feel like he knows enough about this. Well, I feel like he's not stubborn enough to go against the the uh, the president of hockey operations. So I feel like if he knows anything about hockey, that if the team is bad next year as well, they got to do something to get returns and get young and get now, those and get top draft picks. You know, it's that's just of, me. It's, it's been a lot of fun talking. It stinks that we don't have games to talk about. So we'll be really excited once the games get going again to talk. But right. I want to ask you one trivia question before we get going. Oh, boy. Okay. Are you ready? I, I suck at trivia, man. <laughs> You'll be fine. I, I believe in you. Oh, boy. Out of the players on the active roster right now in the lineup yeah. and just in the NHL in general on okay. the roster. Okay. How many of those players were drafted by the team? Ooh. For the Blackhawks? For the No, yeah, for the Blackhawks. How many of the players on the Blackhawks have been drafted by the team? 
Oh my. Okay, Brandon Hagel is not. Because the Entwistle was, I think, a trade. Dominic Kubalik was also a trade. Alex Brickett was drafted. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Tays, three of those were drafted. The three um, highest money makers on the offense. Yes, you got it right. Yes. Tays came um, to Brinkett. On the back end. Right now on the active roster, I don't think any. There's none on the active roster, correct. Um, Kevin Lincoln was a free agent acquisition, and Mark Andre Fleury was drafted by the Pittsburgh Penguins, so none from the goaltender side either. You're missing two. Yep. Uh, they're all on the offense, aren't they? Um, okay, let me go through the lineup real quick. Okay, top six. You're going to say a name. Oh, Kirby Doc. Like, oh, yeah, there it is. Kirby Doc. Kirby Doc. So there's one more, right? Yep. I already said Alex Brinkett. Um, I was going to give you this name, but honestly, you actually should know it. I probably should. I'm still going through the going through the list. Wait, are you counting like active roster or? I'm going off of the cap friendly active roster page. Right oh, now. so you could pull I'm it up. Sure Reese but... Johnson was drafted. Uh, Reese Johnson is. He was signed. No, really? Yes. Huh? I thought he was like a late round draft pick. Honestly, I'm probably going to freak out after this, but I, 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 I'm, I still can't put my finger on the right on the last guy. Philip Kurashev. I I knew I would have somebody obvious. Fourth round pick. Pretty good yeah. pick for the fourth round there. Yeah, I, I even wrote it. I think I even wrote an article about him being a steal. Can't believe so, I missed that guy. There you go. Jeremiah See, like, whenever you can... misses trivia on the day. Whenever you whenever you do a trivia like this, like you should know the guy, but the pressure of the situation kills you. It's like the final exam. You know everything, but like if you get there, you're like, oh crap, messed up. Well, I guess uh, I won't ask you how your finals went then. So <laughs> oh, actually I, I I finished with the total overall GPA of 3.5 Congratulations. my finals. Congratulations. So I don't think that's the best analogy. <laughs> but like All when right. you take a test, like sometimes you you uh, brain fart with the questions you should know and then somehow get the questions you shouldn't have gotten right. So, <laughs> well, everyone, thank you for a great 2021. 2022 is only going to get better. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed listening. Go Blackhawks and have a great night.